if you take notes, uh, let me suggest that you there are a couple of points that would be, uh, I think, very, very helpful. They've been uh, very helpful to me in my own uh, journey in the Lord. And I uh, have had the opportunity over the last several years to share some of these things with people that are even somewhat familiar with the ministry of the Holy Spirit and being led of the Spirit, and uh, this has been very helpful to them. I had a brother once say, John, and he looks me in the eye, and he says, Source determines everything. Well, I knew he was going somewhere with this, and you could go to a lot of places with that. So I just uh, listened, and I said, Okay. And he said, think about it. Well, I was thinking about it. Source determines everything. And then he said, for the Christian, there are only two sources to live from. So what are they? <coughs> Either the flesh or the spirit. So it behooves us as God's children to know what source we're living from moment by moment. To be conscious of that dynamic. Am I coming from my flesh? Because the mind of the flesh or the mindset on the flesh is what? Enmity. Is enmity or is death. It's death. And it's against God. But the mind of the spirit is what? Life and peace. Life and peace. And really, whether it's your brother or whoever it is, everybody's looking for the answer. And the answer is we're looking for is life and peace. If you'll just uh, flip in your Bibles to a very, very familiar verse, Romans 8.28. I know most of you know that one by heart. But that verse is the setup for verse 29. (laughs) So we know that this verse, depending on your translation, goes something like this for... We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Several of you said, and I love the Lord. But to those who are called according to His purpose. And so we quote that a lot. Uh, But really, that's just kind of mid-sentence there. Because verse 29 gives us according to His purpose. So somebody read that, if you will. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Wow. <laughs> so the purpose of God in Eileen's life is to be conformed to Jesus. Be conformed, be shaped by the Lord in all things being caused by God. No matter what we go through, he shapes them. He doesn't cause everything to happen. But he uses, he causes them to work together, even the worst that we've been through. Amen, that's good. And so we need to remember that. 
And uh, when the enemy tries to beat us up with some things of our past, I realize, well, wait a minute, I've got a new past. I have a new identity. I have a new future. I'm a new person now, but I have a new past <coughs> in this new life. And even the things of that other life that used to be mine, God causes those things somehow to serve Him in what He's doing as He conforms me to the image of Christ. Well, source determines everything. I learned some of the the truths that you have been uh, privileged to hear and uh, have some understanding through John and others that have uh, shared with you in this class and um, about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, about our identity in Christ, about my being crucified with Christ, about Him being my very person, my living and uh, had been sharing these things with many uh, for years and seeing God do miraculous things as, as He is pleased to do as both people begin to cooperate with the Lord by faith and enter in experientially to the reality of the Lord as their person, as their life. Amen. And... Uh, I had a background where uh, Sharon and I were on the staff of the Campus Crusade for Christ for years. Eventually, we're in the national leadership. Um, and uh, that was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's a wonderful organization. And uh, then went from there. The Lord led us... Um, into the ministry of sharing the cross and the Lord is life. And uh, my responsibilities uh, with Crusade and all the things that I was doing there uh, didn't lend itself to me being in the kind of ministry that the Lord was leading us to. Uh, I'll never forget uh, a dear friend. Uh, anybody know who John Wimber is? Well, John was a very close friend, and and uh, so I was seeking counsel from him one day, and we're having breakfast. John was a big man, and he he uh, so we're he said, "Well, I'll give counsel. You pay for breakfast." So <laughs> so John uh, said, uh, as he listened to this story, he said, "You don't know anything about counseling." I said, "Well, thank you." And uh, he said, God's already using you. Thank you. And uh, so he keeps throwing these things out. And he said, so I sure wouldn't be doing what you were thinking about doing. And I had to pay for breakfast. <laughs> John. And um, so 
we set out. We launched a ministry. Uh, first of all, just Sharon and myself, well, we just began to minister to people. Something like you've probably done as you have been through the training with GFI. And uh, we've had some previous experience in learning our identity in Christ that we gained through uh, Major Ian Thomas's writings and, uh, and through Watchman Nee, especially the normal Christian life, and had seen the Lord come uh, in, in revival like we read books about, where the Holy Spirit would just fall on a whole meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, our background, we've never been around that. So we, I knew what was going on simply that the Lord, I just knew it was the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I'd never seen him do anything quite like this. And, uh, and so as he would begin this, and, and you could almost see like waves of his presence just going across the whole congregation and these meetings and um, and people began to weep and they would stand up and just start confessing <coughs> sin well nobody would say anything about doing that <laughs> you know nobody was moderating this kind of thing and so while this is going on I would just ask the Lord what do I uh, what, what do you want me to do <laughs> and the Lord just makes it real clear just go sit down. <laughs> so it'd be like I'm here like this, and the Lord is moving in that way, and so I just go over here and sit in this chair. I just went and sit down at the front pew. So nobody's up front, and the Lord just continues to move and do what He And Sharon and I were in one meeting. This happened in the First Church of God in Dallas, Texas. Um, and uh, we were talking about sharing the messages of the cross and, and our identity in Christ. And we, <coughs> just a week before we started these meetings, I get a call from the pastor who was a dear friend that we led to the Lord years ago. And, and he said, uh, could you and Sharon come and kind of bail us out of a pinch we had a marriage seminar scheduled for the last year. And it starts in a week, and we just found out that our speaker uh, just was caught in an affair. Well, you and I have heard too much of that. And... uh, can that happen? Can that happen to us? Yes. Does it need to happen? No. Can we be safe from that? Yes. In Him. Amen. But never in ourselves. Never even uh, rejoicing and enjoying the things that He's done in the past in our lives, maybe through us. Well, anyway. So we were doing the marriage seminar. But, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's marriage or raising children or working at a job or whatever. Everything is about Jesus. Jesus is life. That's right. And so you just go to the cross and we begin to share the very things that probably most of you, not all of you, have, have had the opportunity of seeing. 
And just during those meetings, the Lord just broke out. And uh, so the meetings are over finally. They tried to close them down on the, the, the night that all of this broke loose. It went on and on. They turned the lights off in the sanctuary. The place is packed out. And, the, and they turned the lights off and then flipped them back on. Nobody moved. People would try to get up and start to get out of their pews. And then they would just sink in groups to their knees and weeping and praying. And, uh, and so then they turned the lights off and left them off. Somebody was getting a little bit anxious about getting this thing over with. And uh, so the the only lights in there were the exit lights that came on, you know, that were there to show you how to get out in case of a fire. And uh, so anyway, then somebody announces, people, we have your kids in the nursery, and then they tell them what time it is, and you need to come and get your children. And people then would stand up and they would start to move out and they would just sink down to their knees up. They might count the aisle or whatever. It was amazing. Well, the next morning, Sharon and I are packed, and uh, John Bodecker, our dear brother, uh, who was the pastor of the church at that time, and he is going to take us to the airport. We're going to fly out of that big airport there in Dallas and go back to Arizona. And uh, and so we're, we've got our bags down by the front door. We're ready to kiss and say goodbye and all this. And John's wife, Judy, says uh, desperately, she just has this desperate look on her face, you, you can't go. <laughs> Didn't even turn the lights on. <laughs> you can't go. Let's just back up here for, for a minute and say, for as many as are led of the Spirit, what's the rest of that? These are the sons of God. Are the sons of God. Amen. Listen, life, all of life, night and day. In your dreams, when you're laughing, when you're joking around, when you're having a cup of coffee, when we're driving around we're in a town where every street light's got a number up there, go to number seven and then turn. Never been in a town. I've been all over the world. Go to number seven. Light seven. It's easy. That's easy, yes. As many as are led of the Spirit, these are the sons of God. We're to be led in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. Life is the Spirit. The Spirit is life. And Judy says, you can't leave. And she's just got this desperate look. Well, Judy, we've got to go, you know, the plane and the reservations. You, you can't go. And I said, Sister... Uh, What's going on? She said, God has touched everybody in our whole church except me. You can't leave. So we didn't. And uh, I said, well, let's just sit in. 
said, come on, you and John, just come on in. I remember years and years before, he was a, an engineer, one of the leading engineers with uh, General Motors. And he, they lived in Dayton, Ohio at that time. And his goal was to be the senior vice president of General Motors. This was before he was a Christian. And uh, they were in a Methodist church and didn't know Jesus. And, and uh, we were in some meetings and had the opportunity to lead them to the Lord. And, uh, and they just took off like just exploded in the Lord, just falling under every unction of the Spirit. Mm. And John led scores and scores of people to Christ at General Motors. He started a Bible study, and he had to have a security pass to get in and all this and that. And then outsiders would hear about it and wanted to come, and then he had to see, call and say, what am I going to do? There's not enough room. You know, and these guys come in and they're bringing their lunches, and I said, well, why don't you just have two sessions? If you can't get another room, just... So he did that. He started another... Anyway, and then he started... He led a kid to Christ out near where they live in the suburbs. And there was a gang out there of suburban kids, nice homes and everything. And the, But they were a, a militant gang of kids. And they led over 100 of them to Christ. They were doing the drugs. This was way back in the 70s. Yeah. Mm. So we, I said, well, we'll just sit down. You and John and me, we'll just sit down in here at the dining room table. And she says, not John. Oh, that's her husband. And I said, not, not John. She's, I said, why? And she said, because whatever's going to come out is so bad. I'm afraid John will leave me. John had never thought about leaving. He was a very devoted guy. But in her mind, she had been living with this fear that she'd never verbalized that someday he was going to leave and that she's got something messed up inside of her that she doesn't even know what it is. And if it ever came out, that it would be all over. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people that live that way. And, yes, sir. And it, yes, sir. There could be somebody here that way. You know, as long as we keep that stuff in, a, in the shadows and hidden, the devil just uses it, just beats us up with it. It's a trick <coughs> of the devil. It's called a scheme. Well, nothing came out more than what would come out of any of us, just the ugliness and the vileness of her own flesh, her own self-life. She hadn't killed anybody, but even if she had, the Lord, the Lord's blood even covers that. But in her mind, whatever it was, and so as this came out about her flesh, her self-life, and as she realized this, and how... Because as a young gal, she was absolutely gorgeous. She looked like a model. But because of this drama going on in her life and the deceptions of the enemy, somewhere along the line she'd start eating and now she could hardly fit through that door. She was just immense. Hiding back under all of that weight. 
Judy got so freed up with the message of the cross and learning to be just led of the Spirit that she began to share with others. And she has ministered now through the years all over the world to women's groups. And she tells a story. If I, uh, if I was ever uh, going to be famous in this world, she would have been my primary promoter because she, wherever she'd go, she'd tell this story about how God had used this guy named John Lynch. And all I did was share the message that you've learned to share. And it just ignited. And she's still going. And they live in, they're back in Dallas now. They, they, uh, he headed up all the Church of God, over 100 churches. He was whatever that is. Over all the Church of God is in, uh, this is from Anderson, Indiana. Uh, and, but uh, in all of Florida. And then they were in Oklahoma. And now he has this great, great burden for Africa, or uh, India. And goes to the frontier areas. Well, we could just share story after story like this, but here's a place that I wanted to go. Then, then uh, Sharon and I are uh, in Spokane, Washington, and a sheriff comes to the door of where we were staying, or a deputy, and says, are you John Lynch? Yeah. Well, I have a, a, a fugitive warrant for your arrest. I said, you got the wrong guy. I'm not a fugitive. And, and, uh, he said, well, they just call it that if it's from another state, the arrest warrant. They arrested me. This is in the middle of the winter. The snow is this deep. To, uh, and it's uh, very cold. Sharon's got the flu. And, uh, and this guy wants to put handcuffs on me and take me away. It was a, sh a shock. <laughs> Wait a minute. I forgot. That's right. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Did you buy breakfast? <laughs> Couldn't get my billfold out there. <laughs> this deputy was so kind. They, uh, you know, when they arrest somebody like that, they had deputies down the street. They had them in the field and back of where we were, uh, back there. They were because they, in case a guy tries to run, they're going to get you. And he said, "I'm really sorry." Um, by uh, the rules, I'm supposed to handcuff you, but yeah. I don't think I need to do that. <clears throat> but you'll have to come with us. Well, fast forward, and we end up. I, I end up a year later. And uh, this thing had been trumped up. They had 15 counts against me. Uh, but I couldn't tell you what half of them were. And, uh, and if we didn't do a plea bargain, they had 15 more that they were going to put against us. That would be 30 counts of uh, things they were charging us with. One of them is called the RICO Act, which they use for gangsters and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I'm in the big time. And, uh, and wait a minute. Uh, God causes all things to work together for God. And, um, 
And for as many as are led in the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. <clears throat> so Sharon says, what do I do? She's running a fever. She's in her nighty. And I said, uh, call so and so on. Anyway, finally I get to prison. Before, just before I go to prison, um, I go to an attorney and get back to Phoenix. And uh, and I say, these guys are charged, man. Here's what, and this is a real high-profile attorney, and he, so he listens to all this. He wants me to take a lie detector test. I said, I'll do anything. I don't have anything to hide. And uh, so he said, well, I'm not your attorney until you hire me. And uh, you haven't paid me anything yet. So were you asking me for a polygraph expert? And I said, I guess. And so I go take a lie detector test. I thought they were going to electrocute me. And, wires <laughs> and um, the results of that come back and say, well, my goodness, I've got an innocent uh, client, this guy says. I said, well, I already told you. He said, well, they all say that. <laughs> he said, John, if you went off the chart on the truthful side. You're way higher than you need to be to be legally admissible in court. <laughs> the only problem is that would be if we were in California, but we're in Arizona, and they don't take, they won't let polygraph test results uh, be admissible here. Well, I said, well, why'd I, why'd I go borrow the money to get this test done? And he said, well, I wanted to know if you were guilty or innocent. I said, well, where do you go from here? And he said, well, you, you pay me $300,000. And, uh, and then in about two years, you'll pay me another 200000 And he said that. He said, they're not going to touch you. You had no motive. You didn't take any money. And charging was stealing a few million. Da, da, da. I said, I'm, uh, I'm in the ministry. I, I don't have any money. <laughs> and he said, well, you come to the wrong place. They, they've got you in, in their sights. It doesn't matter whether you're innocent or not. You've got to defend yourself, and you better do it properly because they're after somebody, and they picked you for the guy. And I wanted to say, this is America. My, my dad was in the military. We lived all over the world. I was, I was proud to be an American. And my folks taught us, but you represent our country when we lived in Greece and when we lived in Taiwan. This is America. And so then I got this idea. The idea was... If I just call people that we know around the country and tell them how much, what's happening to us, if there were 30 people that said, we'll give you 10,000, it's kind of bizarre. We would never be able to pay it back. Why then I'd have the 300,000. So I thought, well, I'll just see how that goes. We'd lived by support for many years. And so I called six people and out of the first six, five of them said, we're in for ten. I thought, wow, I've never raised support like that. This is great. 
One couple overnighted, they, they overnighted a check to us for $10,000. But there's another verse in here, and it talks something about let the peace of God do something with your heart. Rule, reign. Rule, reign, or the word actually is a umpire. 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 Like the umpire of a game. You know, you're out, safe, whatever the call is. It doesn't matter. He's the umpire. That's that's the end of it. Let the peace. Well, who is this peace? It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Spirit of our God. It's the one in whom we are one with Him. And let this peace rule or umpire your heart. And I, there was something disturbing the peace in me. And I told Sharon, I don't know what it is. I'm supposed to be praying for somebody that I'm not aware of. Something's wrong. I'm going to stay up tonight and pray. And I'm praying. The Lord says, of course, I can raise this money. That's not a problem. I'm putting you in prison. I'm not keeping you out of prison. That had never crossed our minds once. So, uh, Could you imagine me trying to plead before? But Lord, I didn't do the crime. Well, that is kind of good. He says he's putting me in prison. That's it. That, that's it. Yeah. You're not there to plead. Well, but I, I'm I'm a good guy. Or none of that means anything. It's an amen for those who are led of the Spirit. And and you know when you're desperate enough, when you don't want to mess around with this superficial foolishness of living as a nice Christian American or American Christian, we, we want to be God's man or woman. We want to be His. We want to know Him in His fullness. We want to so press into Him. We want to see His glory. We want to know His power. We, we want Him in the fullest way possible. And when He gets a hold of us, and when we get a taste, generally we're so hungry that everything else just falls off like dead leaves. You, you've been bit with something you ain't never going to get over. I don't care where you go or what you do. Nothing else comes close to Him and the taste and the life and the enjoyment. Well, I saw Sharon in the hallway the next morning as she'd gotten up and she said, well, did you get any light from the Lord? And I'm looking her in the eye, and I all we've been married for 53 years this June, coming June, and so I know her pretty well, and and uh, so I know how she's going to react when I tell her. I said, "Well, the Lord said He could, of course, keep us, keep me out of prison. He says He's putting me in prison." And I remember she's her eyes are still kind of getting away from being asleep, and she looks me right in the eye, and she says then we're going to prison. And I wanted, I started to correct her. No, they're not after you. And then I stopped mid-sentence because if I go, she goes. Because we're one. Then we're going to prison, she said. Well, so we did not put up a defense 
We called the people and told them to keep the money. The people that sent the 10,000 said, um, you're going to need it. Just keep it. And uh, it took them a year before they finally got around. They gave me, they changed my attorney, you know, my public defender kind of attorney, and this, they changed that five times during the next uh, 11 months. <clears throat> People would hear the case, get to, they'd say, we don't even know why they've charged you. And uh, I'd say, thank you. And I'm thinking, maybe I'm not going to prison. <laughs> and then somehow that person would be removed out of the, and then they would give me a, a new attorney. Finally, they got one that, <clears throat> It didn't matter what the facts said. She was on the side of the prosecution. She was worse than the prosecution. And that was my defense attorney. And she was so full of the anti-Christ spirit that it was amazing. I get into prison. <clears throat> Look at this verse, if you will. 1 Corinthians 6.17. 1 Corinthians 6.17. Go ahead. Yeah. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. That doesn't even make good English, does it? Say it again. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is joined to the Lord. So if you're joined to the Lord, you are one spirit. Your, his spirit and your spirit, one spirit. It doesn't say the two spirits became one or you know they're hooked together. There's one spirit. It's his spirit. His spirit has come into your human spirit and there's one spirit. And so that spirit is joined to this spirit, to this spirit, to this spirit. It's one spirit. The spirit of our Father. The spirit of our God. We are one with Him in all of His force. In all of His ability. We are one with Him. Prison is like hell on earth. I've been a lot of places in the world. I've never been any place like prison. And I wasn't in the worst of it. But uh, I got I got some pretty graphic pictures. Mm. And uh, I'm not streetwise. I don't know a lot of the stuff that goes on, you know, in, in the on the streets and in the gutters and. And, uh, you know, I, I have had a lot of experience helping people that have been on drugs and alcohol and this and that. But there's things that, that go on in the streets. There's a whole different way of living and talking and, and a value system. And, and the people in prison, for the most part, are from that environment. So it's like being dropped off on the moon. I mean, everything's different. And uh, so I'm in this one place, and 
and these guys get up around me, and I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to beat me up or what? Because I realize this is a dangerous place. Lord, I'll, I'll take everything that you bring that's from you. But I, in Jesus' name, I stand against anything that is not from your hand, Father. I didn't know how else to pray. Oh, Lord, whatever you want to do. But I knew I probably could die in there before this was all over. Um, because I was so out of control of anything. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, we're really all out of control wherever we are. We just think we're a little bit more in control than some situations. Mm -hmm. These guys come up around me and they say, John, uh, we want to see your paperwork. And I said, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, they said, you know, your paperwork. The stuff they gave you when, when they... Oh, yeah. Okay, so I had... I get that. I says, this? Yeah, that... And they take it and they're looking. I have no... I've never even looked at this thing. And they're reading and they're looking... And this guy's eyebrows go up. You know, what they're looking for, they want to know if I'm a sex offender. And uh, then, then they're really going to knock the snot out of you right there. Um, so, okay, well, whoa! It says, uh, this guy, and it says in there, I, again, I hadn't even read the thing, and it says uh, $4.3 million uh, in restitution. And this guy stands, and there's about 50, 55 guys in, in uh, what we call a run. And, uh, and that this is medium security, and this guy says, Hey, we got a hitter. You know, everybody kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot goes on in there. So everybody listens, and they're looking, and he said, Get this. This old man is really in the good of it. 4.3 million. And the guys all start clapping. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a real criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this guy comes up and he kind of nudges me and he whispers. He says, Mafia? <laughs> Uh, you're telling me you're a guy. Now, now you're safe. <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I, but I don't think I was led to the Spirit by right? anything. I said, um, you know better to ask that. We don't talk about those things. <laughs> this guy says, no problem. <laughs> The next day, there's about 550 guys on this on a, on a prison yard there in Arizona, and uh, so we get out for an hour in the morning for red, for red. And so anyway, I'm out there, and they let half the guys out. So maybe there's a couple hundred guys out there, and uh, everybody's high-fiving me, and and his <laughs> word's gone through the whole place, and I'm in the mafia. They got a real big dude in there, see? Well, I played that up for about a day or two, and the Lord said, how long are you going to take this one? <laughs> so I sent a group of them that wanted you know, stories. I said, look, 
I didn't, I didn't do the crime. Yeah. <laughs> Just a minute, pops. Hey, guys! Everybody yeah. <laughs> got another announcement, second announcement. He's one of us. He's innocent. <laughs> they all start clapping at me. <laughs> Just like us. None of us did it. So I stopped saying that. <laughs> I'm in here just for one reason. God loves you guys. And He wants you to know it. And so He sent me in here to tell you. He lives in me. And He wants you to be free. And He wants you to be healed up from all this stuff that you're carrying. And you could sense in certain ones that were just loaded with demons. And uh, let me fast forward ahead to a place where I'm on a different yard. And this guy... It was a black guy, and he had these uh, dreadlocks, you know, with mud and stuff in it. And uh, his yard name was Kokomo. And uh, so Kokomo would be telling stories, and he'd get maybe five, six big black guys around him, and he'd be telling these stories. Well, he'd put a little scripture in, and then he would make up a bunch of fairy tale stuff. Mm. And so... I was close enough to him a few times that I could hear a little bit. And uh, so he said, Pops, why don't you ever stop and listen when I'm talking? And I said, Kokomo, you want me to be truthful with you? And he said, yeah. I said, you're not teaching the Bible. And you know it. And I'm in here with a purpose. And I don't have time just for a lot of foolishness. Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay, he said. The next day, he corners me. Uh, by this time, I'm on a minimum yard. He corners me in a corner, just like that corner over there. There's no way out. And, he, and he's got me to where I couldn't get away if I tried to run. And I'd seen him do this to another guy earlier where... Uh, a few weeks before, I'd seen him just out of nowhere. He'd just stand here like this, and he gives a sucker punch. And for those of you who don't know, that's a sucker punch is a punch that you never see coming. He just stands here, and he's smiling, and he winds up just with everything he can. He just smacks a guy in and knocks the guy out in one punch. And I'm, so he's got me in this corner, and he says, uh, you disrespected me. That means I didn't show him respect. And in prison, that's a, that has to be a fight. And there's a rule in there. You can't, somebody else can't fight your fight. And uh, there's another kind of unspoken rule. You're really not supposed to cry in there because you're, you're in the big time. You're a convict. You're a real man and all this stuff. So Kokomo says, uh, um, you disrespected me. And he keeps coming towards me. And now, we're about out of time. There's a verse, just write this down, in Genesis chapter 4. And, uh, what is it, Dave? 
And so I just embraced Kokomo. And I said, the Lord loves you. You'll be freed up. And the guys on the yard are looking. Kokomo wanted to kill him yesterday, and today the old man's going to hurt him. That just was a testimony of the Lord. Listen, I can just tell you a story. I was in there four years and three months like that. And it just went on and on and on. For as many as are led of the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Now, I would not say that a Christian that's in prison and trusts the Lord is never going to get hurt. <clears throat> I just would say this. Thank you, Father. I never got hit once. I had several that wanted to and tried to. God always rescued me. But the big thing is, people came to Christ. There are men traveling the earth now, all over, who come out of those days that learned they got saved, they got filled with the Spirit, they learned to live in the Spirit, learned to know who they are, learned to know they had a new past, they have a new present, they're a new person, they have a new future, a new home, a new heritage. And, uh, and now, instead of going back to prison like most do, and many did that even came out of, of these wonderful things they with the Lord, but many are going on in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. You say you're up there where there's just, and I'm thinking, that sounds like prison. And the guys told me in prison when I first got in, that stuff doesn't work in here, it works out there. You're in with the big time guys now. And I said to him, if the Lord Jesus doesn't work in here, and if he can't be real in here, he can't be real in here. That's right. He came for you. And he's coming <coughs> for you in me. <coughs> and you just speak the truth and go with the Lord. Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. It doesn't matter. If there wasn't even 1% Christians, it doesn't matter. What matters is God's got his couple there. That's right. And he can live and express himself through you. Listen, be bold Amen. in the Lord. Be courageous in the Lord. Take heart. Know who you are. Don't just be a nice person. Don't settle for wasting your days. You're here with a purpose. You're here for a reason. God is leading you. We're here seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're here on an assignment. We're in a foreign land. So do not just be comfortable people. Amen. This is serious. It cost our God everything so that we could be here as His sons and daughters to enjoy Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You just for the opportunity to express in a little way something of Your faithfulness. We are Yours. Thank you for your gracious work in each of our lives. We begin anew and afresh right now just to seek you and know you and follow you and to be those who are led in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.